Welcome to European Pharmaceuticals Reviews podcast. In this episode, we're discussing antimicrobial resistance, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Dr. Bumi Dien Sufi, Head of Antimicrobial Resistance at Sandos. My name is Caroline Peachy, and I'm the editor of European Pharmaceutical Review. I will be your host today. Antimicrobial resistance is a growing concern worldwide, and it's recognised as one of the top 10 global health challenges by the World Health Organization. It's estimated that drug-resistant infections contribute to nearly 5 million deaths every year, and it also has huge financial implications, with AMR estimated to cost the European Union 1.5 billion per year in healthcare costs and productivity losses. In this episode, Bumidien discusses the challenges of antimicrobial resistance and some of the actions being taken by Sandos and the wider pharmaceutical industry to address this issue. Hi, Bo, and thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you. So to start us off, could you tell me briefly about your current role in your industry experience? Absolutely. And again, thank you very much for the invite. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here and speak with you today. So I'm currently working for Sandos, which, which is a company that provides high quality generics medicines globally. My current role is I have uh, been leading for about the last two years or so. I lead the antimicrobial resistance program and strategy across Sandos, which is a, a global initiative. Maybe just a few words, if, if that's okay, with respect to um, my experience, industry experience. So I've been with um, Sandos Novartis for going on eight years now in various roles. Prior to this one, I was also responsible for the end-to-end portfolio of all of our Infectives products and then transitioned into the current role, focusing really on, on what we'll talk about a lot in this podcast, an unprecedented threat known as antimicrobial resistance or, or AMR. Background-wise, so prior to the industry experience, I do have uh, an academic expertise as well. I'm trained as a biotechnologist focusing in microbiology, specifically in the field which is known as um, mass spectrometry-based proteomics. And proteomics is essentially the study of, of proteins, every protein expressed in a cell in a certain condition, every type of modification we were looking at. And the focus of my research work was in bacteria and other microorganisms. So, so that's a little bit overview on, on my background. What is antimicrobial resistance and, and who does it affect? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's an important question. And I guess it's a, it's a great one to start things off. So so I know that your your audience, there's a lot of scientists, but maybe just to set the stage on a general level first, just to make sure we cover the whole audience. So antimicrobial resistance is is also known as AMR, right? And, and in a high level term, this is basically a phenomenon that can occur not only in bacteria, viruses, fungi, parasites, that they change over time and they'll no longer respond to the medicines, right? That's trying to cure and treat the, the infection. In the context of bacteria, that means that, you know, an antibiotic that is prescribed to be able to treat that, that condition either becomes ineffective or very difficult or in some cases impossible to treat. And I think it's very important at this stage to highlight that this is a natural phenomenon, right? Resistance occurs naturally through various mechanisms, primarily mutations, as a result of 
many, many, you know, a strong evolutionary traits that bacteria have to adapt to their environments. And you mentioned um, bacteria, fungi, viruses, and parasites. What pathogens are a major concern out of these? So if we focus on, on bacteria, so first, it's, it's very important to state, you know, there's hundreds, hundreds of pathogens. But what we're looking at when we're talking about the context of AMR, when we're talking about multi-drug resistance, there's a nice little acronym that the community uses known as ESCAPE. And ESCAPE stands for six pathogens that are increasingly becoming a concern on a global scale. So that is essentially the Enterococcus facium, Staphylococcus aureus, Klebsiella pneumoniae, Acinetobacter bomani, Pseudomonas aeruginosa, and species of the Enterobacter family. Now, they do cause different issues and they are of all of concern. If you look at the WHO, the WHO kind of categorizes the bacteria according to, you know, the criticality of dealing with the issue, right? So depending on how resistant they are, how predominant or how frequent they occur, and also are they resistant to multiple drugs? So just to summarize, I mean, in terms of critical pathogens, the WHO would list three, right, which they consider critical or priority one. And that's the Acinetobacter bomani that I mentioned, Pseudomonas aeruginosa, and the Enterobacteriaceae families that are increasingly becoming of concern because they are resistant to carbapenems, which is a, a class of antibiotic, a very strong last line antibiotic, as well as their ESBL producing, which I'm, I'm more than happy to go into what that means and why is that a concern? So you've mentioned antimicrobial resistance is a natural phenomenon. What are the main factors that contribute to AMR? Yeah. So, you know, maybe just coming very quickly to the natural phenomena point. I mean, as I mentioned slightly earlier, right, bacteria have been around with us for a long time and they respond to their environment and, and they have specific genes naturally, right, that they, they can express, which in some cases can show a, a resistance to, to antibiotics. So when, when we're talking about antimicrobial resistance, maybe it's, it's important for your audience to just understand a little bit on how they do it, right? Would that be helpful? Yeah, that would be helpful. Yes, thank you. Very good. So they, they have natural, as we talked about, they also have acquired, right? Acquired could be through, you know, acquiring different genes known as a mechanism called horizontal gene transfer. And of course, also being exposed to antibiotics. And what's very interesting is that we know that even very, very small amounts of antibiotics can cause the bacterium in question to resist and mutate to, to be further resistant. So it's quite a complex process and it's, it's a pretty advanced process in terms of um, the mechanisms involved. It also depends a little bit on, on what you are talking about in terms of the, the class of, of antibiotics. But basically, they either can pump the antibiotics out, right? They can modify the, the drug so that it's not, it's not effective anymore. They can also not allow it into the cell, right? If it's an antibiotic that needs to go into the cell to, to cause its mode of action. So these are just, you know, some of the, the ways that the bacteria actually induce resistance. 
going back to the point, who is affected by um, antimicrobial resistance and why is it such a major concern today? And then we'll move on to some of the measures the pharmaceutical industry is taking to address the concern. So antimicrobial resistance is affecting everyone. It, it affects the in, entire globe. It, it threatens our entire healthcare industry. Why? We commonly hear the term, you know, they are the back and the, the cornerstone of me modern medicine. And this is 100% true. If you think about how life was before antibiotics, it's not a nice picture. Antibiotics really brought us to a whole new level of healthcare and quality of living has increased dramatically because of it. Now, why is this a concern? Why is AMR concerned? Well, a lot of your listeners will be very aware of a report that came out and published in 2021 showed that based on 2019 data, which basically estimated that there's about 1.3 million deaths worldwide every year that can be directly attributed to AMR, which is causing an unprecedented global public health threat. Just to maybe dig a little bit into, into that Lancet report, I mean, actually, they said almost 5 million people were dying from illnesses where you could attribute AMR somewhere in that, in that process. And then, as I mentioned, 1.3 million deaths are a direct result of AMR. And just to put that in perspective, I mean, that means, as the Lancet said, that these drug-resistant infections are, are, are killing more individuals, more patients than, than HIV or malaria combined. And, and they, they do kill more people than HIV separately and, and malaria separately. And we need to understand that when we think about an antibiotic, it, it's not just having a direct effect on our patient, a beneficial effect if used properly, but if you, their effectiveness and their efficacy actually also will stop diseases being transferred from individual to individual, right? So, so it's also providing a, a huge benefit a huge health benefit in disease prevention in communities, right? Now, we're probably going to, going to get into this, but I mean, what we've seen recently is that this resistance to antibiotics has, has really made the call globally for us to act. And when I say us, I mean everyone. It's a truly, it's going to require a multi-sectoral, multi-collaborative effort to be able to, to address this. If, if we do not, as we hopefully we'll never achieve, but you could be approaching what, what's known as the, the post-antibiotic era, right? And what that means is antibiotics that were once commonly used and once commonly very effective are no longer effective. That means that, you know, routine surgeries become a risk. Chemotherapies become a risk. The healthcare economic burden would be astronomical. So this is, of course, something that we take very seriously and we as a multi-sectoral community need to address. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The scale of the challenge is really huge. And, you know, can you tell me a bit more about some of the efforts the pharmaceutical industry is taking to help prevent antimicrobial resistance? Yeah, absolutely. So when you look at why it's happening, right, and then how is industry responding to it, basically we can summarize it in two major challenges. And then those challenges can nicely lead us into some of the solutions, right? So it's important to remember that we have the scientific challenge, right? And we have the misuse and economic challenges, right? So in the scientific point of view, as we discussed briefly, these bacteria are evolving rapidly. It's very difficult to predict how they're going to evolve their resistance patterns. 
We're going to talk a lot about the dwindling innovative pipeline, right? And of course, when you look at the regulatory pathways, they need to be adapted better to be able to ensure that at least from the innovative side, these innovative drugs have a path to market as quickly as possible. Now, the other side of the coin, which you'll hear to your question, is going to be a lot around misuse. So using it and misuse can be interpreted in different ways, using it too much, not having access to it or using the wrong one, right? Also known as suboptimal, right? So not using the ideal antibiotic for the particular infection. What we like to use the motto you'll hear quite often is the right drug for the right bug. Another big issue are the lack of robust diagnostics. The way to think about this is we need surveillance programs to be able to tell us, look, this is what we currently see, whether that's in a hospital setting, whether that's in an individual market setting. And this is how then we could best respond with certain treatments. And also what we see in many markets globally is overprescription. A common phenomena that you typically see overprescription is during a cough cold season, where, as we all know, um, antibiotics do not fight against viruses. They are not suitable for viruses. They have no effect on viruses. Yet we do see that overprescription is sometimes uh, used more in, in this, this cough cold season. So maybe just to step back a, a bit to, to your original question. So, so what can industry do as a whole? And what are the, some of the things that, that they're doing? Well, first and foremost, the first thing to realize is the threat and to acknowledge the threat and to be able to respond. That is being done very nicely at the moment. There's clearly an awareness that this is something that, that needs to be addressed very, very quickly. The big response, I think, in terms of what industry is doing, we need to split it a little bit according to innovative drugs, so new drugs, and the efforts that are done on the existing drugs, right? So what we currently have at our disposal. So when it comes to what we currently have, right, on the market, we need to think about stewardship. So strong stewardship programs are absolutely needed to make sure, again, back to the motto, that the right drug for the right bug is used. You know, the World Health Organization, for example, released a classification known as AWARE, which is a database that's used to collaborate policy development between medical, the, the animal health sector, and the agriculture sector to kind of indicate what's recommended as a first-line treatment. Those that are more sensitive to development of resistance would be the WATCH programs, and those that should be considered last-line therapies, um, those, those are known as the reserve. So that's one. We need a lot, and we do have a lot, of stewardship programs that are able to really help guide the best treatment options and ensure the patient is getting that treatment options. Now, that actually leads to my next point. Ensuring the patient gets the treatment options is a big, big topic known as access. We talk a lot about misuse of antibiotics or overuse of antibiotics, but actually another thing is that for many markets, they don't have the antibiotics. So lack of access also drives antimicrobial resistance. So one of the key efforts that industry needs to do and is doing is ensuring that regardless of where a patient may be, they have access to the right drug. What happens? Well, they either don't get treatment if they don't have access to the right drug or they get suboptimal 
treatment, meaning they're prescribed something that's not ideal for that particular infection, which would result in a potential um, resistant event to occur. Now, maybe just a few words on, on the innovative side. I mean, in the past, you know, there's basically, the, the issue is that there's been a dwindling pipeline in the innovative space, right? This is due to many, many reasons, but the you have organizations like the AMR Action Fund, which, which is a, also another collaboration with the WHO, the European Investment Banks, and the Wellcome Trust, which is trying to help innovator companies and encourage them to overcome the key technical and funding barriers when you're talking about late stage, late stage antibiotic development. And they're working with governments more to ensure that there's a sustainable pipeline of new antibiotics to fight the superbugs. And on the other side, you see a lot more. Have you ever heard the term push and pull mechanisms? It'd be great if you could explain um, what you mean a bit more about that, Bo. Absolutely. So because of the complexity and the cost and the difficulty of finding innovative targets, there's also been what's called in the industry push and pull mechanisms to encourage innovators to not only address this, but come up with solutions. So when we talk about push mechanisms, you know, I think of associations like CARB-X, uh, GARD-P, which is the Global Antibiotic Research and Development Partnership. What, what they do is basically they're trying to help fund that late stage antibiotic discovery and clinical trials to get the medicines to market, because that's the end game, get them to market. So incentives and these programs are used actually successfully, and we do see a growing record of success. But one of the issues with push mechanisms is that, you know, they don't necessarily solve what's known as the, the volume of sales income paradigm, right? So it could prevent companies or investors from bringing antibiotics because there could be challenges when it comes to investment recouping. To address this, you have what's called the pull, the pull mechanism. And, and pull are basically a, a lot, we see a lot of experimentation and a lot of initiatives to create strategies of funding that will also ensure that the innovative side uh, will have a reasonable return on investment to deliver the, the antibiotics needed. And so these programs are kind of delinked to the volume of drug sales, and they'll instead, you know, offer guaranteed income related to development of antibiotics, right? So, so that's on the, in, the innovative side. Now, on the generic side, for example, a company like Sandoz, what, what we really do is we follow a very, very balanced approach between the four pillars established by the Industry Alliance. So the four pillars of the Industry Alliance are access, responsible use, responsible manufacturing, and innovation. And it's also important, again, to ensure that we have the right stewardship programs in place to engage our patients, our key opinion leaders, our healthcare providers, our pharmacies, on what should be used when, ensure that you know there's a very robust supply chain in place so that access is not an issue there's global high quality access all the time that we continue to innovate in the context of you know data collection data awareness surveillance and we also ensure when it comes to responsible manufacturing that this is done in the most environmentally friendly way fantastic on the manufacturing side, it, it would be great if you could elaborate a bit more on what measures are being taken to minimise the spread of AMR during the pharmaceutical manufacturing. I think one of the things that really helps 
when you talk about responsible manufacturing, is being vertically integrated in your production wherever possible. And what I mean by that is, you know, from API production all the way to your finished product, that you do it all in one location. Obviously, doing everything in one location will reduce the risk of emissions associated with antibiotic production to, to leak into the environment. There's also, you know, again, a cross-collaborative effort with the Industry Alliance that has set a standard for all manufacturers to follow. This is known as the PNAC or predicted no-effect concentration levels where all manufacturers need to follow. That is the process by which we're able to say that under either zero or under this amount, there is no effect on the environment. So the responsible manufacturing, where you look at it, it's really focused on ensuring as much as possible that things are done in one place and ensuring also that the regardless of who the manufacturer is, that we follow one standard. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. So moving on to the innovation side, I mean, what guidance is there in place for industry related to the development of new um, antimicrobial medicines? So it's a great question. Let me let me just reiterate the fact that, uh, of course, new antibiotics are a solution to the problem. But I, I cannot stress enough what we currently have is, in my opinion, of equal importance. Working with what we have, using it in the best way is just as important as finding new targets. And we can discuss that more later. But when it comes to innovatives, as I mentioned, I mean, there are incentives, these, these push-pull incentives that are encouraging innovators to, to be able to have, let's say, try to reduce the barriers and, and not get a, a product to market. I think the incentives are the most critical point, honestly. Now, also, I think what really also helps innovators are emerging technologies, right? Because as I mentioned, one of, one of the key challenges when it comes to an innovator drug is actually finding a target. And as you know very well, and I'm sure as your audience knows very well, finding a target and putting it through the, the clinical studies is a very expensive, not only expensive process, but actually most of the targets that are identified preclinical never make phase three. So technologies, you know, like um, artificial intelligence, using computing digital power, machine learning to be able to predict what could be, um, let's say, a viable target is definitely helping. What we're also seeing also are other modalities, right? Other modalities outside of antibiotics that are being developed that could one day indeed uh, help the fight against AMR, things like phages. Phages are uh, essentially uh, bacterial viruses and they can be engineered to be able to recognize and target a certain, a certain bacteria. Also, you know, I, I mentioned surveillance uh, technologies like whole genome sequencing, and artificial intelligence do indeed help with target identification. We also see the development of uh, and research being done on vaccines, right? And I think there's also, and this would be one very important point to mention, when we're talking about antimicrobial resistance, we have to look at this on what's called the, the One Health perspective. So. AMR, as we talked about earlier, we, we talked about the major mechanisms in, in human use that drives AMR, but actually it's, it goes way beyond that. 
it's in the animals as well. It's, it's in the agriculture world. It's in our livestock. It's, it's in the farming and crops. All of this, think of it like a 360 circle. It's a cycle. The misuse of antibiotics in animals, for example, can also get back to the chain back in humans, which also exacerbates the issue. So there's a lot of also awareness being done that if you truly want to curb AMR, you also have to look at it from the holistic picture of one health. So meaning not just human use, but in use in agriculture and in and, and, and the farming industry. And we do see some very cool, innovative uh, work being done, for example, um, in cows and in other livestock. Um, there are uh, companies that are looking into vaccine development, which would avoid uh, the use of antibiotics entirely. So there's a lot of work also on the One Health side. It's clearly an important issue, Bo, and it's not going to go away. So you've touched on it already, but why is it so important that we act now? We have to act now because not only is antimicrobial resistance not going away, but if we do not act now, let me put it in this terms, it could, we could see something very similar or much worse, to be honest with you, as we saw in the COVID-19 pandemic. It's already you know, not to silent pandemic anymore. It's already a threat. The good news is we're aware of it. But if we don't stop now, then it's, as I mentioned earlier, we would unfortunately be heading into the era of post-antibiotics. Surgeries become high risk. You know, I think what I'm sure your audience is aware of, antibiotics with this term backbone means exactly that. Every single health system, every single health procedure, the backbone is antibiotics. Whether you're talking about chemotherapy, whether you're talking about surgeries, whether you're talking about infections that, you know, a hundred years ago killed millions of people is now solved because of antibiotics. We, we need to use them properly. We need to use what we have now in the best way. We need to make sure that we have access, consistent, high quality access of antibiotics at all times. Now, it's important for your audience to know AMR is happening, whether we, we like it or not. It's going to continue to happen based on what we discussed earlier, right? With, with the ability of, of microbes, bacteria in this case, to, to constantly be mutating. But we can curb it significantly. The longer we wait, the closer we're going to get to this post-antibiotic era. And if that happens, the economic burden would, would be a disaster. And the health, the health of patients is a disaster as well. You've mentioned access, responsible use, you know, manufacturing and innovation. But, you know, could you just recap what are the priorities, do you believe, over the next five to 10 years? Yeah. You mean the priorities as an industry as a whole? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So the first thing, and, and that's what we have, which is good news, right? I, I don't want to, to have this podcast sounding all doom and gloom, right? <laughs> the most important thing is to recognize and realize that it's not too late. So the awareness of the problem and the awareness that we need to act and the acknowledgement that, that we, we still have a chance is already the first step and a very important one. The next thing we, we need to do is realize that in order to curb AMR, this is not just one company or one organization or one government. This is going to require the collaboration across multiple sectors to be able to come together and work together towards tangible solutions. And that's actually leading to my point, public-private 
partnerships, key partnerships between different sectors, understanding the problem, and you understand the problem through surveillance, data surveillance, understanding where the bacteria are at, what's the biggest problems of resistance, and then responding to it in the correct way. And the correct way is the right drug for the right bug, ensuring people have access to medicines at all time, and ensuring that we continue to address unmet medical needs. That's what also needs to happen in the next five years. When we talk about things like pediatric formulations, number of multi-drug resistant infections in children are rising dangerously fast and dangerously high. So it's not only about addressing, you know, what we know exists and what we see are big problems now, but also being proactive and ensuring that also unmet medical needs in the context of AMR is also addressed. So that's a starting point. It's basically what we need to do. We have to have the awareness. We have to really have this mindset that it's going to be an equal effort across multiple sectors to be able to address the issue, whether that's from the innovative side or whether it's from the generic side or you know products that are already existing on the market. And it's about being as proactive as possible in understanding the issue, in responding to the issue, which means access on time and in full in the right way to the right patient of antibiotics that we currently have is, is of utmost importance. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, that's all we've got time to discuss today. But thank you for sharing your insights on the efforts being taken to tackle antimicrobial resistance in manufacturing. But also, I really enjoyed your explanation of the different types of modalities that are being developed. Absolutely. Thank you very, very much for the time.